just want to thank everyone out there who's showed their support towards the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. And if you've got any mates out there who've uh, got a few proper true yarns and uh, or someone who you know who's a mad dog who might want to come on and spin a few to us, uh, send it through. And uh, if you do one favour for me that would be absolutely incredible, click on the proper true yarn podcast, go to your settings of that and uh, hit auto download because we all know how uh, terrible the phone service in Australia is and I hate the old episode be cut short due to um, terrible phone service. So if you get that auto downloaded, um, we'll be all good to go and there'll be no interruptions. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Did that really fucking happen? This ripper bloke called Knuckles, some call him the big knuck, spinning stories tall and true that'll make you say, holy fuck, the cities to the outback on the highway or the farm, crack a cold one with Knuckles and tell us a proper true yarn. Welcome back to the Proper True Yarn podcast, the show at which we extract the wildest and the best yarns from the best people around the world. Uh, currently sitting beside me, uh, we've got our first ever female guest. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Renee Gracie, how you going, mate? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, mate, thanks very much for coming on, first of all. Um, we're in your your territory. Mm. Fucking ma- My ma- hood. Your hood, yeah, <laughs> come down senior. Um, massive landholder on the Gold Coast. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Huge down here. Uh, and, mate, fucking hell, what you've done in your life is phenomenal and it's, I'll just first say shout out to yourself. Thank you. Because um, it's fucking incredible, you know, and what you've done and what you've achieved along the way is fucking, yeah, well, i tell you, fucking fat bloke, no ass like myself, couldn't do it. <laughs> so, um, Oh, you don't know that. Oh, well, mate, fucking hell. <laughs> you uh, give it a red hot crack, oh, I reckon. I'd fucking try, I'd try, I'd talk me way into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, um, tell us a proper true yarn about racing, you know, like fucking... The fastest car you've ever been in your life, or, or just just give us a mad yarn about that whole industry that fuck no one would know, you know. Like, and you come in so from, much, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can, you know, just the, the my fastest speed ever. We'll start with that. Is actually three hundred and four kilometers an hour is the fastest I have ever been in a race car. So that shocks people when I tell them that for some that, reason. That's fucking slippery. Yeah, it's fast. So I actually did that at Bathurst. My first time ever at Bathurst in the development series at the time now called Super 2 um, in the Ford Falcon that I was running in. So that was, yeah, Not exciting. Just, just an old XF Falcon? Or, or uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what. It was a shitbox. That's all I remember. <laughs> I, was in, I fucking hated every second driving that car, to be honest with you. And then it got written off a few years later by someone else and I was happy to see that disappear because yes, it was just a shitbox, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did it. I had no idea that I did it and it was the fastest speed recorded at Bathurst that weekend was from myself. Holy fuck, well yeah, done. Yeah, you. and shout out all them Holden drivers, fucking yeah. Fords of Tipcha. Yeah. Fuck yes. I think my team was just a bit nowhere and just like didn't do the rear wing properly and it should have been up and it was down and I just happened to do go just fast. Yeah, yeah. I, had a, I had a good lap. So something must have happened because it was just a random thing that I think no one was checking and I think when we realised I was going so fast, everyone's like, wait, where's the re- rear wing set at? You've got no, can you, do you, have you got any grip? Like can you drive out of corners? I'm like, fucking no, I'm hanging on to this. Yeah. <laughs> so they changed it after that. So, um, but yeah, 304 is my fastest ever speed. Fucking hell. And how hard is of a track as Bathurst to drive? You know, like, you know, it's Bathurst for Australian racing is a pinnacle of race. Yes, yeah. You know, so how hard? Overseas too, a lot of people 
a lot of racers and race car drivers now have Bathurst on their on their list on since their list. Yeah, the right. twelve hour, and I think it's getting a lot more international recognition. I meet a lot of international yeah. people who are just like, "Oh my god, tell me about Bathurst!" So yeah. people get excited about it like internationally now, which is cool. Fucking hundred percent. Well, I guess it's the Melbourne Cup of fucking racing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, um, like, how hard of a track out of every track you've raced is Bathurst? Weirdly enough, it's actually not. It's, it's difficult because there's so many corners. Okay. So if you make one mistake, you carry it on for the rest of the lap because, it, you know, you're two tenths down in that corner. It's really hard to make two tenths up for the next corner and then you might be another tenth down for the next corner. So it's got a really big flow-on effect. Most tracks do, but I feel like Bathurst is one of those ones where it's really hard to make up time because you're just on the limit the whole time. Yep. Um, but as for technicality and, and and difficultness, in my opinion, it's not one of the hardest tracks. Yeah. I think while it's high risk, it's actually quite open and like flowing at the same time as well in some sections. Like if you race at the Gold Coast here, for example, that's just, it's high risk. You know, you, you bust your ass and there is, you know, good reward, but the chances of hit, clipping a wall or running into something is extremely high. And if you watch the racing when they race around here, it's every day there's someone in the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so while it's it's high risk, it's only high risk because it's such high speed in some sections as, as well. But I felt Bathurst was actually – I was lucky enough that I grew up where no, no one in my family idolised Bathurst and it wasn't like, you know, no one in my family has racing history or whatever. Like the first time I heard of Bathurst, it was like the – six weeks before I knew that I was racing there, you know what I mean? Like my family didn't have much interest. I knew it was a track. I had no idea how big it was. So I think I got to approach it as just a normal track. So I think a lot of people might think it's a bit, ooh, because it's like this Bathurst. And for me it was just like, oh, this track's kind of cool. Like I didn't realise it was so steep and so hilly and, you know. How's the view, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's the view? I can see everything down there. (laughs) It's just one of those things where it was just I got to approach it, I think, um, not like how a lot of other people can approach it. So I feel like for me, um, some people think it's sad. Some people are like, oh, what do you mean you never grew up watching Bathurst? Like you're missing out. And I'm like, well, I just didn't, unfortunately. I was the same. I literally only you go and watch fucking Bathurst later on, you know, in my 20s. But, I was, you know, fuck, I was too busy. Like, yeah. Like fucking having a go to. Yeah. You know, and, and still have all the respect for everyone who does. Yep. It just wasn't in my vision yep. at that time. Same as it was. Just same as me, your, yeah. yeah. Like I was still racing and even when I was in go-karts and stuff, obviously, I just never really, you know, there was no one in my circle at the time that made it stand out or made it a huge thing. So it was just another racetrack to me. I had no idea. So I think I was quite lucky because I've never really seen it as like this big, scary like place that, you know, people get this like nostalgic sort of feeling when they get there and they get all nervous. For me, it was just like, oh, like I'd rather race here than at a street circuit because it's actually a really cool track. So in my mind, I prefer to race there, but it's, um, it's a really, really, really good track when your car's good and you're doing good. And it's a really, really shit track when your car's it and you're just not on it. <laughs> yeah, it's right. one of those places where you just, and I think every time I've raced there, it's obviously been endurance stuff. Yep. So you're just driving the car and you're like double stinting. So that's like two lots of 23 laps and you're just like, when is this going to fucking end? <laughs> and you're just like in your own mind, like you got 15 laps to go, like just keep going. But then other times you're like, you want to stay in and you're on fire and you want to go and it depends when you're in the car. You're at the end of the race with green tyres and low fuel and the things are fucking rocket. And you're like, I never want this to end, but... Yep. You know, halfway through the last race, you were just like wanting to bloody get out and you're just over it because it was just a shitbox to drive. So it's one of those places is when, when it's on, 
it's the best feeling in the whole entire world and when it's off you just want to get out and mm, leave. Monotonous and Yeah, tight. yeah. But, um, you said go-karts just then. Mm. What's the fastest you've ever been in a go-kart uh, that uh, you reckon? Like, fucking hell. I I actually think it was about 127, almost 130 kilometres an hour. Holy, f- that's fucking moving. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when, when your blurt is this fucking yeah, far off. Yeah, you're that far yeah, off the yeah, ground. Off no the suspension, ground. no yeah, nothing. No, no. Yeah, yep. And you're just into it. Yeah, I was in a shifter car and I think, I can't, I can't remember exactly my, where my I was. Please ask what a shifter car. A shifter car is where it has gears. Oh, okay, so yeah, it's right. actually got a gear lever where you pull it on the side, so you pull down for up, push forward for down. Yeah. Um, and it's got front brakes as well as rear brakes. Where in a normal go kart, it's because they're so fast, you need to be able to stop. And yeah. a, a normal go kart just has rear brakes. Yeah. So yeah, those things are fucking quick. If you ever just like go into YouTube and just type in like shifter go karts. They do like full standing starts. They're, they're pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, right. That, yeah. That's fucking, that's hauling. Yeah, and imagine like 30 of them going that fast. So in that world, mate, where's the pinnacle of tracks within that world? Like, you know, what what's the Bathurst of the go-kart world? Oh, it's probably changed a lot since I was um, racing years and years and years ago. But I feel like for me when I was racing um, in Melbourne, there's a track called Todd Road. Okay. And that's sort of under the Westgate Bridge and it's just a very iconic go-kart track because you can see the city in the yeah. background. You've got the the big bridge that goes over the top of the go-kart track essentially and it was just a really cool track and basically any race that was happening at Todd Road, I was like begging my dad to take me there. I was like, let's go, let's go, come on, I want to go to Todd Road. It's just a really, really good track. It's a fast track as well. It's very technical um, and there was a lot of good um, go-kart drivers in Melbourne so you just wanted to be with all the good drivers because they were so good because they had this really good track that they could practice at. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to be the best, you got to race Best. 100%. So yeah. that was the hot the hot spot to be. Yeah, nice. Now back to racing. Tell us a few yarns about, you know, weird or crazy shit you've seen, or, you know, that's blown you away and you're like, holy fucking hell, whether it's a fucking random bloke passing and flipping in front of you or, you know, <laughs> just fucking weird, something, something weird on the racetrack that, that would make people listening go, holy fucking hell, like really? Yeah, I haven't had too many car experiences on track that have been crazy because most of them have been at supercar events or events where it's obviously like controlled and everyone's looked after. But one of the craziest things that I ever went through was in a go-kart where I was actually in a really, really big accident and I I think I was about fourth or fifth and we were at Ipswich and it was reverse track and no one had ever really raced their reverse track before so everyone was like sort of had no idea what they were doing because we're going the opposite direction to normal. And um, we had just started the race and we were like four corners in and there was about all of the cars in front of me, so like first, second, third, fourth, all crashed into each other. And back to, there was about 10 of us in total, right? There was go-karts on top of each other. It was an absolute schmozzle. There was kids flipped out of go-karts. There was just like craziness. And I was at the, it was sort of at the end of it. There was about three go-karts behind me that, came through and all ran into each other. And so I was spun out backwards. I had a kid hanging over my shoulder, like his wheels like smashing into my helmet and a kid right at the very back of the pack. Everyone else had missed us. And he's come right, right at the back. One guy's gone left, one guy's gone right. And he's just gone boom, straight into the front of me. We've hit hit head on and his go-kart has been so soft that it's actually bent the chassis forward and up and his legs have 
been stuck underneath and literally just snapped in half. And he's sitting there screaming his head off and I've just literally seen it and heard it and I've heard him like screaming and I've literally gone, holy fuck. And so I'm literally sitting in my go-kart. My go-kart didn't bend because I had a different chassis. So you can get different chassis thicknesses. So some are softer and some are harder. I was sort of running a medium chassis at the time, which – is not not actually fast sometimes depending on what track you go to. Anyway, he had a soft, a very soft go-kart chassis. And so my go-kart is literally doesn't even have a fucking dent in it. Yep. And his is basically essentially bent in half and his legs have also bent in half. So he's, he had a couple of soft chassis under he, his fucking legs. Yeah, he, so he had two <laughs> legs that were clean, broken in half. And I remember I'll never forget like the sound that when he hit – and then just like the instant scream. And so I, I literally had to get this kid that was on top of my, because I was trapped in the go-kart. Because yeah, there was a kid who was. You got a wheel here. Yeah, there's a wheel literally here. So I remember I just like the adrenaline kicked in and I've just like pushed this and about 160 kilos is a yeah. go-kart weight, minimum weight. And I've just pushed him off and I remember just taking my helmet off and just running over to this kid. His name was Ben. My dad's actually friends with his dad now, believe it or not. After all of that, we became friends with them um, after that traumatic incident. And, yeah, I, had to, I took his helmet off and I could obviously see that his legs were broken and I, like, picked up his go-kart and dragged it off track and I'm, like, waving at someone. I'm like, come on, come on, like, someone come. Because there were so many kids, I think, there were so many other crashes. No one really realised the severity of what what had happened at the very end. And, yeah, I remember it took – I felt like fucking hours, but it took like a good five minutes before someone came over and realised and they were like, holy fuck, and then they took it a bit more seriously. But that's probably my most craziest accident ever is literally just sitting in a go-kart and seeing someone's legs just go. Yeah, and the thing is you've seen one guy left, one guy right, and you're like – Fuck, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. I'm like, did, oh, fuck. And I couldn't move. Did you not get the memo? Yeah. And I couldn't move either. So I'm just, I just remember like taking my hands off the wheel and crossing my hands and going, fuck. And I just remember just like ho- trying to hold on to something, but I had nothing to hold on to. And I just remember just seeing all of these kids and everyone everywhere. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm just like, oh, fuck, I knew this was coming. Because yeah. like there was just so much shit going on. I just was sort of like, I knew this was coming, of course, hang on, hold hold your breath. Yep. And, yeah, and I just remember just seeing it and I'm going, holy fuck. Did Ben go back racing ever again or did that just fuck him completely from racing? No, he did actually for a little bit and then he actually went overseas to be a mechanic. So he was actually working on NASCARs overseas from memory. So yeah, he, right. he had loved motorsport but he had a 12-month recovery of oh, like broken yeah. legs. Like he was pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. holy fucking yeah. hell. That's a fucking, that's a wild yarn within itself. Yeah. And it was like clean cut on both legs halfway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was full on. So from there, did they just restart the race or how how the fuck do you, you come out of like, (laughs) like in the go-kart world, you know, like, you know, there's no fucking white flag and you just push out and the fucking rest keep going. So because someone was so severely injured, they red flagged the race. So that means that the race has stopped and it won't be restarting. Sometimes they can restart it depending on like if it's on lap one. But this obviously was on lap one and we're four corners in, but because of the accident, they red flagged it and they just canned the race altogether. Um, But yeah, we went out for the other race afterwards. It was just like four kids didn't make it back out. So you just like keep going and like no one cares. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) motorsports are very strange a very strange thing because, you know, I've, I've obviously you, you see and you hear on TV of Formula 2, Formula 3, like kids die and, and people pass away. 
but the racing doesn't stop. That's right. Like they go put flowers on the corner that someone's just died, but you're going to go suit up and put your helmet on for the next race. Like no one really cares. It's not like no one cares, but it's just like it's just a part of racing, I think. Like people unfortunately do get injured and do die and like not often, but it seems often sometimes because you hear about it all the time. And, um, yeah, you just sort of like go on with the show and you're there to race and and I think it's because there's a lot of sponsors and there's a lot of driving forces to why you're there and there's people who have spent, you know, hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars and you need to fucking race and you need to obviously spend the money that they're sponsoring for. So it's like you just get up and go and act like it never happened. Yeah. Which is – that's fucking crazy within itself because you be going – like there's still – you see someone fucking die. Like I've seen heaps of people and heaps of dead people through the funeral industry. However, like that would still have to play a certain – you'd have to be mentally strong yeah. to block the fact that the holy fuck row we're all racing against each other. Fuck, that potentially could have been me. Now I've got to get back. And every lap, every lap you're doing, you're going past old mate. It's, yeah, it, it, same spot. It's the spot where he's passed away and you're going, fuck. Like, that's, yep. that's a massive mental fucking like enormity to get over. Yeah, I think it's something that you learn, especially in go-karting. There's lots of injuries in go-karting. So you learn it from a very young age, especially like myself, I was travelling all over Australia, basically only going to like the biggest go-kart races you could go to to obviously win national titles and championships and whatever else. And um, oh, it's so, so common to like kids get thrown out of go-karts very, very often, so normal to see broken arms, broken legs, like burns, a lot of big injuries. Yep. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that you just get so used to it that you just keep moving on. But it's weird because as you progress and as you go up into from go-karts to cars, the injuries get more severe <laughs> and, and you're not just talking broken arms and broken legs anymore. You're talking like broken hips, broken ribs, pelvis, Back. dying and, yeah. and, and obviously death. So, but I think you just get so used to the fact that, you know, you, you know, don't do motorsport to, you know, stay safe. It's a dangerous sport. So it's a, the unfortunate reality. I think I live in a, a delusional land probably because I just go, oh, it's, oh, it hasn't happened to me yet. Who knows if it's going to happen to me? I don't know if it's going to happen to me, so I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. It's a weird thing. You just go, oh, well, will it happen to me? Maybe it won't. Like, who cares? I'll just keep going. Just keep going. And yep. if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, well, fuck it. You know? Yep. Yeah. I'll live, I'll yep. live a good life. That's how you have to approach it, I think. Otherwise, if you're worried about it too much, it's sort of like the way I see it too is I'm like, I feel like I could do more dangerous things. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I've done a lot of stupid shit. I do, I've done a lot of dangerous things. I feel like I'm at more risk when I'm like driving around in my little fucking what's it called, drift cart or whatever I've got at home or um, golf buggies or whatever. I'm like, I feel like I've done more stupid shit on stuff that I've had that I could have definitely have killed myself or hurt myself. So I feel like if I'm in a car with a helmet, I've got stuff on that I'm like protected. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I feel Full like I'm safer. Cage, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little bubble, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little drift truck at home that I rolled because yeah. my brakes failed and I was going down a hill and I'm just like, I definitely could have died then, but I didn't. So I'm like, I feel like I've done stupid as shit. So yeah. I feel like in a car, I, it's weird because I actually feel safer. Yeah, wow. Weirdly enough. Fucking hell, that's fucking <laughs> Think of all the it. stupid shit you've probably oh, done. <laughs> Too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.